Some of the other ways here that we're trying to be attractive with our offer is looking at our finance. In this market, if you include conditions that are too onerous or too in favour of the buyer, if you include big clauses like subject to due diligence for seven days or 14 days or subject to you inspecting it later, these kind of things aren't going to fly. Not when you're up against multiple other offers. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth Property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management, sales and buyers agency servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here's your host, Jared Mann. So today I thought I'd go into the buying and negotiation strategies for our red hot market. We've got a lot of investors that are struggling to make a purchase, a lot of home buyers that are struggling to make a purchase in this market. It's very typical when you go to a home open to have 25, 30 buyers that are going along. When I'm selling properties, I very rarely find that buyers ask a good question and certainly they're not setting themselves up to compete well when it comes to securing the property. And we find it on the flip side as well when we're acting as a buyer's agent for people. A lot of people don't purchase hundreds of properties or sell hundreds of properties in their life, so they just don't have that understanding of how the game's played and the things that you can find out and how you can put an offer across differently. So I'm going to go into lots of that today and hopefully when you're next looking to buy It'll uh, give you some greater insight. And at the very least, if you don't want to do it yourself, it's going to give you some insight as to how we would approach a purchase and the kind of value that we can add by determining these things. And this is really from our rule book, if you will, as to how we're securing properties for clients in this market. So first of all, I wanted to go into the stages that a property goes through and when you might be able to pick it up for purchasing it. So it helps to understand that a property can be sold firstly when it's off market and that's when an agent might be aware of it or you could be dealing directly with the the owner. But typically there's a reason that the property's off market and why a seller would look at selling and and often there's a problem that can be preventing that property going to market so you've got to really look at uncovering what that problem is and understanding it so that you can know firstly if you can solve the problem and whether it's worth solving and whether you're worth and whether it's a you're able to pick it up for a price that makes that worthwhile and firstly the first kind of problem can be price. So if an agent's involved, they would have given the client an appraisal. And let's say the client's wanting more than what the agent thinks they can get it for at the moment. So the agent's aware that this client wants to sell. They haven't put it on market for that reason because they're still wanting more than what the market is. And that can often be a problem that the price that the seller wants is just too far above and that's why you need to be looking at the what is does this property represent value and what sort of price you should be paying for it and just because it's off market doesn't mean that it's going to be at a good price the seller's expectations could be way off on what where the market's at so look through the price 
that can be a problem of why it's off market and it might be a case of keeping an eye on it, seeing if the expectations of that owner changes. But keep in mind, they're not getting feedback from the market at that point. So they're likely to have their price. It's not likely to change and unless something happens in their world. So that's the other sort of problem that can cause a property to uh, sell or to want to sell off market. Something can come up suddenly that makes them want to get out of the property quickly. And that is often financial related and or a big change in their world so they can perceive that it's going to take time to prepare it for sale to go to market to settle if you can come in with an offer right at that point where they want to just move on that's where you're solving that problem um, and helping them move forward quickly so the other reason that properties can often be sold off market is there can be some kind of tenant issue so that's where the property might be under rented by a lot and it might not be attractive in its presentation to take to the market. And if you're working with a good property manager such as us, we can look through to can we solve this tenant issue? What are we? What's the sort of the short-term cost to solve it? And is it worth taking that on, especially if you can pick up the property for less than mar- than market value or what you'd have to pay if it went to the open market? It can be worth sucking up a rental price that's less for six months or so knowing that it's under rented but you're not going to renew the lease at the end of that period because the tenant can't afford to pay the market rate that it is now that's often why an owner hasn't kept up with market rate or you have your discussion with the tenant on the side and see if they're willing to stay on at market at the end of that lease period you take a look and see if there's a six-month rent review in there that you might be able to pass on rent sooner and or if there's other issues with how they're treating the property, you might be able to breach and terminate and you know get things back on track with their presentation and cleanliness and or damage as to how it's uh, the tenancy's going. So those are the three sort of main problems I see that you can solve if buying a property off market from someone and you want to make sure that it's priced appropriately and look through to not just getting excited that it's off market. (laughs) Now, next stage that someone might sell is what we call pre-market. And it's usually a pretty short window where the seller has decided that they're definitely going ahead. They've appointed a sales agent usually. That agent's making plans for photos and might be helping with getting the property presented with trades, etc., And we've got a short window of time where the owner might be open to an offer so they don't have to spend money on their final presentation things. They might not have to spend on marketing uh, money, uh, photos and other online marketing, etc. when they go to market. They might want to just know that they've gotten their purchaser sorted and so they can move on. Again, there could be some other... uh, factors in the background with their situation that just means they want to get an offer quickly and getting it sold is more important to them than getting the very best price. So pre-market can work but it can also be difficult because if you give the agent an offer and especially if you you know don't put a time frame on it for them they could very well use that offer to try to go and leverage other uh, offers once they go on market if the 
the seller could take the offer in a few different ways too. If it is above what they previously wanted, the old greed glands can start to go and they can think, oh, well, what could I get if I actually went on market? So it can be difficult to tie something up in that period because they're so close to going on market that in, in most sellers will just want to go on market and get the very best that's out there and to get feedback and to know that they've gotten that. So that leads us to our final stage, which is on market, where you're going to have lots of competition. There's going to be lots of buyers swarming on the property. In some cases, you might be able to get in during the week and get an offer accepted before the weekend. In other cases, the seller's going to want to wait until they've had feedback and perhaps, you know, get all offers together for a decision on Monday, which is very often the case. So, depending on what the seller's willing to accept for timing, you've got to use that to decide when you put your offer in. And I wouldn't necessarily be putting an offer in early if they're not going to make a decision on it till Monday. You don't really want to be using having that used as leverage across the weekend for the agent to get more. And I'll go into some of these strategies now when we look at how to break this apart. So, when we consider the whole buying of a property, what you've got to do from the start is try to build rapport and trust with the agent. Because I'm going to run through really great questions to ask now, but they've got to be asked at the right time. And you don't want them to come across like an interrogation where, you know, you're firing 50 questions at the agent. You, you want it to come across naturally when you've already got some trust and some rapport with them so that they're going to answer more honestly and be more forthcoming with some of the information that they may not tell every buyer or they'll be closely guarding the details of to try to protect the seller. And, to, and so you've really just got to have that rapport up so that they trust you and are more willing to share. So the first thing you're trying to uncover is what's the motivation of the seller? And the kind of question you might ask for that is why is the owner selling? And simple question, the answer can really help you determine the kind of conditions you might include or what the seller might be looking for or how quickly they're trying to get out. What's the motivation around that sale is just really key to that. Now, the next questions to ask are around uncovering some of the hidden factors for the property. So I'd be asking things like, is there anything not working? Is there anything that you need to disclose? And if it's got like a patio or a pool or a workshop, I'd be asking, are these council approved? Because other stuff's going to be more obvious and in your face. And if the seller and sales agent is warranting that things are working, you don't need to really ask that. If, if, it, if they warrant that all electrical plumbing and gas items are in working order, you don't need to ask it. But if it's not being warranted, I would specifically be asking it so you can try to know up front and the better agents are going to know what is and what isn't. And likewise, it, that sort of catch-all question of is there anything you need to disclose kind of puts the agent on the spot to answering on anything that they've forgotten to tell you or haven't put in the advert, not 
certainly not the place to put everything in an advert. So you just want to make sure that there's not other factors that need to be taken into account when you're coming up with a value for the property. And finally, on that improvements front for asking if things are council approved, imagine if a workshop isn't council approved or if a pool isn't or a patio isn't. It's not the end of the world, but you certainly want to factor that in when you're weighing up uh, your offer on the property. So I'd be only asking those things, again, if you're getting much more serious. You don't necessarily go and ask them on every property, but just as you get to the more pointy end of deciding what to offer and if you're serious on it. Now, other things to ask in terms of finding flexible terms that might work with the seller. Now, in this market, it's not just about paying the best price. It's also about giving the owner the terms that they want. So some things that can really work for a seller is having either a long or a short settlement. So imagine if the owner needs to get on and get the property sold. So you can ask, would the seller want any specific terms? You know, do they want a long or a short settlement? If they want a long settlement, they might be looking to buy a property. You might be able to to give them you know, three-month or four-month settlement with or, or earlier by mutual agreements. And when they find their place, they can, you know, decide to bring settlement forward. And you're not paying interest on the property in the meantime. It's great. The property will probably go up between now and then. It's how I uh, have purchased a number of properties in the past for myself. So the other option that can really help a owner in this market, what you need to understand is that Someone that is changing and upgrading their home or downgrading their home, they can't go and rent a property very easily in the meantime. So let's say they they sell, they can't go and rent while they look for somewhere else to buy. It's very hard to do that. They also can't be, re- it's very difficult for them to be subject to the sale of their place because they might be up against four or five other offers when they're looking to buy something themselves. So... If you can rent back property to them with flexibility for for how long that goes until they find another place to buy, then that that or having the longer settlement can really help and have a seller favour your offer over others, even if yours might not even be the strongest price. But giving them that option instead of forcing them out or forcing them to do a double move you can see how that would be really appealing to the right seller. So being flexible with the terms there. Now, the final other thing to try and uncover with some great questions is what price you need to pay. And the, and you've got to think about the timing and when you ask these things too. So there's no point asking necessarily what price would secure the property on the very first day that it's listed and they've gotten no other feedback. So I'd be more asking Will the seller look to accept an offer before the weekend? If the answer to that's no, they definitely want to go, going to go to the first time open. We'll be gathering all offers together and making a decision by Monday. Then I'd be looking to speak to the agent Sunday night. And then you could look to ask the question, what price would secure the property? And there's different other ways to try to ask that question. So if the first way doesn't get it, you could ask, what sort of price am I going to need to pay to be above the others? They might not necessarily tell you that or answer those things, but they might, if you name a price, tell you whether it's worth putting forward and whether you're 
going to be the highest or best offer. So again, you don't want to sort of name your price too early and be too far above what you need to pay first. And it's really just going to depend what sort of feedback you can get out of the agent as to, you know, how you frame up that and come up with that price that you're going to need to pay. And obviously you want to also try and find out when they're looking to make that decision. So I mentioned in that case that they weren't going to make a decision to Monday. It'll be Sunday night. You, you want to get these timeframes right and mention to the agent, hey, I'll give you a call just before then if that's okay. Then they know to expect your call. So now let's go into some ways to make your offer attractive. We've gone through some of the questions to ask to uncover the information. Now we can look at formulating all of this into an attractive offer. So when we're coming up with the price to to make in this offer, I would think about always being prepared to pay the extra for the right property. But you need to know what are the trade-offs that are worth making, what are the the trade-offs that you should definitely not make, and what are the non-negotiables. So you know, there's many times when a buyer, if they just paid an extra five grand or ten grand, they could have secured the property, and then they spend another six months looking and end up paying, you know, another ten percent when they could have paid that little bit extra to secure it way back when. And that's part of the art and you know, knowing when to pay the extra for the right one. And you've also got to know when to walk away because you don't want to win in the negotiation and secure the property, but lose in the price that you pay and have it being way too much. So knowing when to walk away is a really great thing that we can add to our clients when we're working with them because I tend to get really emotional when I'm buying the property for myself, but when I'm helping someone else buy it, I can be more objective and and really sort of give guidance as to, hey, guys, this has gotten to be too much. It's outside of the range of where we expected similar properties to have gone recently and what we expected this property to go at, time to let it go. Because think about there's a lot of buyers out there at the moment that can be in very desperate housing situations. They could have missed out on a number of properties before. They can be coming in and making crazy offers that are you know, over, well over and above where a property sh- should be worth, what is the property worth, what someone's willing to pay for it. But we've also got to decide when there's better value options potentially out there and coming up and the, when to walk away on a, on a property. So how else to make your offer attractive? Uh, we've spoken about price there. We spoke about how to get the sort of feedback by asking the question of what's going to secure it and what price do you need to pay to be the best. And some of the other ways here that we're trying to be attracted with our offer is looking at our finance, right? So as a selling agent, when I'm selling a property, I'm really looking deep into what's this buyer's finance situation. I want to have confidence that it's all going to go ahead and I'm not going to have to put it back on the market in two or three weeks' time and you know mess the seller around. We want a, a straightforward and smooth settlement for everyone with you know, lots of confidence that the finance is going to come together. So if you can have a pre-approval, that demonstrates extra confidence to the sales agent. If you can also offer cash, now that's fairly risky, especially if you don't have the real cash and you're still going to use finance. So I have 
done that on a number of occasions when I'm still using finance, but I'm putting forward a cash offer so it's not subject to finance. In that case, you're potentially risking your deposit that's on the line if you aren't able to proceed and your finance doesn't get approved like you think it's going to. So beware of that. But what you're trying to do is convey confidence to the sales agent. And when a buyer's agent is working with a buyer and acting for them, that already is conveying a lot of confidence to the sales agent because the buyer's agent has vetted them, they're confident, and therefore that you know that carries confidence across as well. So I always look at the loan to value ratio that the buyer's gonna have as well. So if we can be at eighty percent or less, there's no lender's mortgage insurer involved then, and that's gonna be a lot more attractive because it doesn't have to undergo extra scrutiny. You know, there's much more there's there's better chance that it's all gonna come together. And when a buyer has got a pre-approval, we'd usually go with 14 days for finance, so a, sh- a slightly shorter period. If it's only been checked and there is no pre-approval, but the the broker or, or lender has fully checked everything, we'd usually then go with 21 days for finance. So it's better to have that pre-approval and be shot slightly quicker, so it can be slightly more appealing as well. The typical period when you've got finance involved is then 21 days to settle after they get finance. So 14 days for pre-approval, 21 days if just checked, and then 21 days to settle. And if they've got real cash and they don't need finance at all, it would usually be 30 days from acceptance to settle. So that's all about finance. Now let's look at including appropriate conditions to make your offer attractive. Now in this market, If you include conditions that are too onerous or too in favour of you, the buyer, if you include big out clauses like subject to due diligence for seven days or 14 days or subject to you inspecting it later, these kind of things aren't going to fly. Not when you're up against multiple other offers. So really the minimum standard of what you should be trying to get is subject to rewas, building and pest inspection and extras that cover major structural defects and structural soundness to the building and they cover not having any pest activity or damage to the actual building so they don't cover minor defects and maintenance and there's a number of other things that they don't cover in the fine print but that's going to really sort of at least protect you from the major costs that can come up if you're worried about any specific things you could you like best to factor them in beforehand if you're aware of them or include a specific condition on that item or getting that checked but generally it's very hard to have these to your complete satisfaction at the moment you really if you insert to complete satisfaction that's giving you a blanket sort of out to terminate even if the smallest of things come up in the building inspections so that's really going to weaken your offer again if you're up against someone with similar price that's just included the standard conditions. And you'd really prefer to get in a warranty that all electrical plumbing and gas items are in working order on settlement, but not every agent and or seller is going to include those things. If uh, possible, you'd like to get in permission to advertise and show the property, usually on two occasions once you have finance approval. 
So if the property is vacant, that can be usually more possible than if the owner's living there and they don't want rental viewings to be done. And you don't want that to be a deal breaker. So find out from the sales agent whether that's going to be okay or hurt your offer too much. The other thing that some properties can be sold with that a lot of buyers don't understand is if a property is being sold as is, that means that you can get building and pest inspections done, but there's no recourse. Nothing is actually required. You, the only requirement is as it is at the time it, you've inspected, not subject to anything then on the, the building or condition front or in the you know electrical plumbing or gas. It's just basically as it is, is how you're buying it. So you really need to be a lot more careful when if you're ever purchasing a property that way because you can be up for a lot of costs. Let's say the whole property needs rewiring or there's a big plumbing issue that needs to be tackled and a lot of these uh, things can be hidden and I'd really be looking through to asking the agent, well, why have they chosen to sell the property as is? What are they aware of that's not working that that they can let you know about? And in some cases when I've bought properties that are development sites that I intend to develop sometime down the track where the house is not particularly of importance. I've made offers like that a cash offer like I mentioned above, which is very dangerous potentially, losing your deposit if it doesn't if your finance doesn't come together. But I've also made offers basically unconditional where I'm buying it as is, not subject to any building or pest inspections or not subject to anything else. So you can imagine the strength of that kind of offer where if someone just wants the certainty that this offer is going ahead and it's cash unconditional with no other conditions basically is what it means, then that is uh, very compelling. I'm not suggesting that you do that, but I'm suggesting that you understand what as is 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 and if you end up doing it to do it knowingly and with eyes wide open and it really needs to suit your plans for the property and and your overall situation because you don't want to be uncovering huge costs later and being unable to bear them and not having factored them in. So having run through all this today, we've covered great questions to ask. I mean, I very rarely get asked a great question in every, well, even one great question a month from someone is rare in all the properties that I sell. I was thinking back over the last year and there's just been very few, if anyone asks a great question of me when I'm the selling agent. And then we've covered off how to make your offer attractive in terms of price, finance and appropriate conditions. So hopefully this is going to help you with your buying and if it is all too hard and you really just want someone to make it easy for you, make the whole process quicker, easier and more stress-free, do think about getting in touch and chatting to us about our buyer's agency service. That's one thing to know these things. It's another thing to have build the rapport with the agent and have the trust so that they're going to answer them and then to be able to translate all of that through to an offer that's written up and know what you're looking at and actually you know get it across the line and have it accepted over other buyers and a big art to this as well is determining what that right price is to offer and what's your what price should you be walking away 
from and it does take a lot of time to reach out and build the relationships with agents to get access to these pre-market and off-market deals which we spend a lot of time cultivating and we've also got uh, relationships with many buyers agents in Perth where we swap deals off-market that if we don't have a client that can go ahead We've got a good network where we're sharing these opportunities around off-market so that some of our other clients can benefit. So that's another thing that we can get access to that you probably can't. So hopefully that's been of help. If it has, uh, I'd appreciate it if you could share with a friend or post a quick review. And I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. Just a reminder, the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. For free market reports on your suburb of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorshedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. I'll see you in the group.